step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. That's one. That's two. And that's three. One for each game of the current Jayhawks losing streak. Three straight L's. And boy, guys, we've been a part of a lot of winning streaks, right? They've done a lot of winning in our history on this uh, illustrious podcast. But we don't get streaks like this very often to talk about. Jayhawks take a third straight L. They fall to Baylor and Waco. And we're going to try to sort it all sort it all out. We don't do Tuesday afternoon shows very often either. Like this is this is a treat. You think that anybody watching that game last night was thinking, "Man, I have to wait 3 whole days for Inside the Paint." But no, you only had to wait one whole day cuz here we are. This is Inside the Paint. I'm Ryan Landreth. I'm Landon Fields. And I'm Nick Whitebrook. What do you guys think? Do you guys think the ITP diehards, the the the, the cool hand Lucases, the 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 I don't even care if it's not his real name, the Wayne Kerrs of our group, do you think that all those people in the world are thinking, yes, ITP on a Wednesday, I'm fired up, or do you think they see it kind of the same reaction that we have whenever Bill Self puts Bobby Pettiford in the game, like, oh, this is gonna be so frustrating. Damn it! Inside the paint, like, what do you guys think? I- I bet there's as many as four people that are excited about this right now. <laughs> well, that would be uh, four more than the amount of quality options that Bill Self has on his bench at the moment. So I guess and that's you more say than are usually excited about me at any given moment. So I'm <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> Nick, you have been. I think that the it's very interesting to see everybody's roles on this podcast change. Landon was undoubtedly the most invested emotionally of the three of us a couple of years ago and now that has changed where i think you probably are the most emotionally invested because you are currently going to kansas as a master's student what's this been like for you coming off the national title and now suddenly things were are not going well after they were for the whole year i don't think i'm that emotionally invested i mean the text i'll I'll say something reactionary just because it's a group chat and everything about group chats is reactionary but uh, you know, you know, I've been a lot more off, hands off this year about KU basketball than I've ever been. I think I can kind of relate to Landon on that. But also at the same time, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer going to class uh, the day after KU loses its third straight game. You know, there's not a lot of buzz around campus because of of how well they're playing right now. Yeah, it's disappointing. I'll be at the record is still good. They're 16 and four. We're gonna talk a little bit about all this. I'm sure we'll get into just how nervous Jayhawk fans should be based on the Twitter mentions. You would think the Jayhawks are not 16 and four. You would think they're four and 16. Landon, Nick, I know that's gonna surprise you, but if you open up the Rock Chalk blog Twitter mentions right now, I did have that tweet where I said I still think this team wins the Big 12, and every single person responded, going, "Yep, you're right. We're gonna be just fine." That's exactly what all the mentions said. Nothing at all that would make any anybody who read them go like this but you know you know I think you should read sometimes. some of them uh land and i don't have oh. twitter i want to hear i want to hear some of the tweets maybe we could do that during ask rcb 
Uh, people think there's a better chance of Jesus coming back before the season ends than they do of Kansas <laughs> finishing with a winning record at this point, it feels like. So let's, which, you know, I mean, anything's possible. The odds aren't on DraftKings, so I can't tell you which which one's more likely, but all right, let's let's Man, let's that would be, that. what an under, an over-under to bet. <laughs> Maybe if I get a profit boost, then it'll be a little bit more easy to, to read. Uh, profit For, boost, P-R-O-P-H-E-T? <laughs> We're talking about Jesus Very good. Back. Very good. Let's see if we get. We're, we're we're off to a good start. Let's see if we can uh, better than any of the Jayhawk starts in the last three games. I might add. Let's see if we can uh, keep it up. Here we go. Number seventeen, I think Baylor seventy-five. Number nine, Kansas sixty-nine. Very well, nice. Yeah, not in the way they got it. So for the third game in a row, Kansas fell behind early due to being careless with the basketball. And shocking, you guys have, might have to sit down for this. Their opponent came out of the gates really hot from three. I know, that, that, that never happens, but it did in this game. Again, it was the third straight game that they dug themselves a double-digit point deficit within the first ten minutes of the game. LLL, last three games, they were behind by double digits within the first ten minutes of the game. Not a recipe for success. Kansas did open the second half on a run to briefly take a 46-45 lead, and all of us were like, "Woo! it's going to go down to the wire, guys. But then the refs and Baylor and a whole bunch of other crap happened. Baylor answered with an immediate 9-2 run. The smallest that the lead would get for them the rest of the night was 5. So the last, like, 15 minutes or so, Kansas didn't have a shot. Uh, it, it wasn't a one-possession game at any point. It was pretty much over. So, okay, opening thoughts. Tell me about the game first. We'll talk about the Jayhawks and where they sit as far as league race and going fourth in a minute. But specifically this game, your thoughts, how'd it go? Uh, there were things that I found both encouraging and discouraging from this game. Um, one thing I really liked was that Grady Dick got going again. We'll certainly talk about him more later. Um, proving kind of what we were talking about on the last show. Um, not so much a slump, just a couple off games. He played really well. Um, so it was nice to see that Jalen Wilson certainly shows no sign of slowing down. Um, very discouraging, um, to see what I think is Kansas's biggest flaw right now. Uh, they have no consistent third scorer. Uh, we will certainly talk a lot more about that, but that is something that is going to plague Kansas unless they can figure it out. Um, this game specifically, I honestly didn't think Kansas played that poorly, after, you know, that kind of initial stretch, uh, the refs were bad. Um, I, I was largely encouraged by Kansas's performance because they had a, a good chance to win for a good stretch of this game, um, despite coming out of the gates really poorly. But ultimately, it does result in a loss for some problems that I'm not sure are... Uh, they're fixable, but I, I don't know my confidence level that they will get fixed. Nick, what are your opening thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm slightly a little bit more pessimistic. I didn't really see that in this game, to be honest. I didn't see that it was close at all. Really felt like Baylor had control of the game since the opening tip, very similar to the TCU game, where even though Kansas took the lead at one point in the second half, it really felt like the crowd and the, the game was just going to swing in the favor of the Bears, and that's exactly what happened. My biggest my biggest fears and worries are starting to play out for this team is, you know, you just talked about how Jalen Wilson was super good, Grady Dick was super good, and they still lose the game. Um, and when, when Jalen Wilson is averaging 30 points in three games and they're all losses, that is a big concern. And I think you just hit on one of them is that they have no bench points. They have no real third score. DeJuan Harris has been a tire fire, uh, since, uh, I don't know how long ago he was actually playing pretty well, maybe against the Texas tech game. And that's the furthest back you can go. That's about um, right. Yeah. First half of the West Virginia game. Yep. 
the emergence of KJ Adams seemed to be an early finish as uh, he is just completely uh, kind of disappeared from that too. Just not as aggressive as he was um, at the beginning of big 12 play. And, and it seems like he's uh, kind of regressing a little bit as well. Like you said, uh, MJ Rice got a few minutes, very much of a liability on defense as we expected. Uh, and yeah, just really a lot of question, a lot more question marks and answers. Cause at the same time, Kevin McCuller, who I think has been awful, still had a double double in this game. So, um, yeah, not good. I'm going to tie in my thoughts on that with the next point that I have in the notes for us to talk about, which is it's a losing streak. How bad is the losing streak? My answer to that is yes, Kansas has problems. They turn the ball over too much. The offensive rebounding has been a big problem for them at times in the last couple of games. They get off to these brutal starts where we pointed out against when it happened against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they fell behind by double digits at home, came back and won. They started off the Texas Tech game poorly. It still came back and won. Looked like they were going to do the same thing in Manhattan against K-State. You can't keep starting off games against quality teams, and everybody in the Big 12 is at minimum a quality team, and expect that you'll just be able to zip on by like the Mr. Freeze at the Atlanta Braves games where the really fast guy in the spandex suit lets that lets a random guy, you know what I'm talking about? They, they have a fan from the stands run, then you have to run from foul line to foul line in the outfield. They let the random fan get like this huge head start, and then Mr. Freeze goes and just blows right past him every single time. Kansas can't be Mr. Freeze every single night, especially when the teams are of this quality. Uh, but my thoughts on the losing streak are, it was always going to happen. I don't know if we thought they'd lose three in a row because you can never really predict them to lose at home. But we never thought Kansas was immune from the three out of four losing streak that all 10 teams in this conference, I'm confident, will go through at some point. Kansas State and Iowa State haven't had theirs yet. Baylor had theirs when they were 0-3. TCU had a stretch where they lost three out of four, and they look like a top 10 team right now. It happens, and if it hasn't happened, it will to everybody. This conference is just filled with too many difficult teams and too many tough games for any team to glide right through it. The Jayhawks, the one that's killing you is the TCU game. Landon's actually going to tell you a different perspective on this. But you lose by one at K-State, a team that's leading the Big 12, and they're in the top five right now. Okay, that nothing nothing to feel bad about there. And you lose by six on the road at the at the, uh, the preseason pick to win this league. Baylor looks like a top 10 team right now. Nothing really to feel bad about there either. Getting waxed at home by TCU is what hurt, but TCU looks great right now as well. I haven't seen anything in this three-game losing streak that makes me think this team is screwed. Problems, yes. Things that can get worked out, yes. Will they? We'll see. But as of right now, the panic meter for me, despite the three straight losses, is very low. They need to get back on track. You can't let a three-game losing streak keep snowballing into a bigger and bigger one, especially if you want to win the league. You cannot lose five out of six games and expect to have a chance to win the conference. But at this point, I do think Kansas will still win the conference because I think you'll see them gear up, have a good February, the schedule softens as much as it can in the Big 12, and I think things will be just fine. Landon, I think the TCU game is the one that's killing you. You win that game, you don't have any sort of losing streak, you have two close losses against, at this point, maybe the best two teams in the Big 12. You think that the TCU game is the one you actually should feel worst about, or, or the one that you don't feel the, the worst about. Why do you feel differently? I feel that way primarily because now the TCU game certainly scored, like, it sucks to get blown out by 23 points, don't get me wrong. But that was a game that's just, sometimes those games happen. Even for Kansas, we've seen that over the past few years. Those kind of games do just happen sometimes. 
you're just cold. The other team is hot. There's nothing that really can be done too much about that. It was an off day for Kansas. It was an incredible on day for TCU, and those games are going to happen. I think you are... Now, the K-State and Baylor game, is there shame in losing on the road to ranked Big 12 teams? None at all. But those were the games that you had on the table most of the night for you to win. You cannot lose games where Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick combined for 47 points in the Baylor game, and then how many did they combine for in, in the, the K-State game? A lot of those were, of course, Jalen Wilson, 16, but it was like 54. Right? 50, 54, yeah, 54, good math. You, you can't lose games where your top two scorers are giving you a lot of output, uh, especially games that are really close. I understand, you know, in, in the K-State game, they had like three players foul out. Um, certainly the refs, you know, were, were on one against Baylor. Don't get me wrong. Oh. But um, I think those are the two games you got to look at. And like, okay, the TCU game, even though it's at home, sometimes a night like that just happens and you throw away the tape and it is what it is. But the other two games you had... You had your best players play well and well enough to win and well enough to give you a chance, and you came up short for reasons we'll get into, but reasons that I've already mentioned, like not having a true third score, though they did kind of have a third score against Baylor, and he added 14 with Kevin McCuller, and those guys combined for 61, and the rest of the roster scored eight, uh, and that's a problem. So those are the two losses I think you, you look at, and those are the real problem losses again the k-state game also is game sometimes it's just gonna happen you play a good team you lose by one on the road it is what it is but those are the two i think you most want back um if you're watching this team so nick i'm gonna throw you a, a question here as we kind of highlight some of the things that specifically went wrong in this game kansas shot nine percent better than baylor did on the night they were 16 for 16 at the free throw line our non-conference concerns about this team's ability to make free throws have vanished completely they've actually been one of the better big 12 free throw shooting teams the offensive glass was hideous they gave up 17 offensive rebounds baylor had just about as many offensive rebounds as they did defensive rebounds in this game and per usual just like we saw to start the k-state and tcu games turnovers dug them a big hole tcu and kansas state like baylor but all have excellent athletes. You turn it over against them, you're going to get burned and transition by their speed. We saw Kansas fall behind 20 to 7 really fast. Same old, same old. Going forth and knowing the kind of adjustments that Bill Self typically makes and how much better his teams typically get as we get into the back half of conference play, I want to know which of those problems, and it may be something that I didn't say, maybe your biggest concern with Kansas is something that we haven't talked about yet. But of all the problems that this team has, what are the ones that you think are the most potentially damning because you don't think that they can be fixed as easily as, say, stop turning the ball over? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, and to your point, I think my biggest concern for this team is scoring. I think that the bench problem is a huge problem. They don't have any production from them. Uh, Jalen Wilson is not going to average 30 points for the rest of the season, so that is a big concern as well. So you're automatically going to need other production from other guys, and that has not been happening. Grady Dick is not going to score 24 points every game. And in those two situations, it happened in this game, and they still lost. Um, so there's a lot of questions about the offense and scoring-wise. I think that, to your point, the, the rebounding issue is definitely a large concern. Um, and, but we, it's, it's one of the things that we expected a little bit because this is a Kansas team that doesn't have size. Their five is pretty much a four. Um, and he's probably going to get abused to Oscar Shibuya on Saturday, and uh, we're going to expect that. Um, 
So that's un- that that's that's not unexpected. What is unexpected is the turnovers and how bad the one Harris' assist to turnover ratio has gotten this year. Uh, a lot of it has been since he got hit in the head. I don't know what's going on with that, but he has been awful, just just plainly awful, and it's very uncharacteristic of him. Lazy passes, ones that he just floats over and easily stolen by the defense. Kevin McCuller is a tur- pr- turnover-prone guy too. Uh, he's always getting called for charges. He's always throwing the ball uh, into another guy's hands or losing it. And not not. And Kevin McCuller also has a hard time grabbing rebounds too, is what I've noticed. So he just does not have great hands. Um, a lot like Dave McCormick reminds me of that. You know, he, he sticks his hand in the Crisco and it just the ball just slides out of his hands. Um, so that's a concern for me. But then again, the points rebounding is a big concern and then also uh, you talk about the turnovers and, that, and and that's the thing like we talk about things like size it's just you cannot contr- control with this current roster makeup but turnovers are definitely something you can get better with and I think a lot of it comes down to Bill Self um, drilling into their heads to be more le- uh, less careless with the ball and this team typically is more uh, less careless with the ball because it's typically not a team that turns the ball over this much, especially with the guards they've had in Marcus Garrett, Dewan Harris in the past with Frank Mason, guys like that, and Devontae Graham usually take care of the ball pretty well. So it's pretty uncharacteristic for KU at this point. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those negatives as we go along. We like to keep it pretty balanced on this show, so I think it's time to talk about some positives because you lose by six against the preseason top five team. It's not all going to be negatives. You'd love to have the win, but uh, the fact that they didn't get it is definitely not the fault of Mr. Jalen Wilson, who stayed hot with another 23 points on 10 of 16 from the floor. Wilson was a very efficient 7 of 9 on twos and a good 3 for 7 on threes. And all of Wilson's baskets were not just layups either. He had a couple of really tough long-range jumpers, which when you're hitting those, that's how you know you're really on one. Wilson added five rebounds and two assists in 38 minutes. Through 20 games, he is averaging 21 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and is shooting 34% on three, which is a fantastic All-America-worthy stat line. He has made an incredible 33 baskets in his last three games, but they are all losses. I've seen a couple people on Twitter talk about how that may not be a total coincidence. You have a guy who's th- you're this reliant on one guy to score, and it's not going to result in a ton of team wins. Is that just baloney? I thought that was kind of baloney, but That's I'm curious baloney. for your thoughts. Okay. All right. Landon, you agree? It's, yeah. I mean, certainly the way the games have played out. I mean, if he was ball hogging his way to these these points, then he's sure. he's shooting but it no. super well, too. Like 50%. Yeah, exactly. He's been efficient. Yeah. This is like... People make it sound like when the Mavs lose by four and Luka scores 44 points, it's like, well, he's such a buck. No, he's, he didn't let he, Dwight Powell shoot enough. Exactly. That, they should get Maxi Kleba more shots. He's the only reason that they didn't lose by 50 is what happened. That's what Jalen Wilson has done. He's, without Jalen Wilson, you take him out, the people that think that makes the offense more efficient, KU's losing all three of these games by, by 12. I mean, it, it's not. Jalen Wilson is the only reason that you were in the game long enough to be watching. I mean, remember, even in the TCU game, a game that wasn't close, the the reason that we went into that game saying, oh, they're down 10 and a half, they're in it, is because Jalen Wilson had 21 in that game. There's nothing to complain about with Wilson. He has been an All-America candidate. Uh, hopefully, Kansas slipping a little bit here with their uh, season outlook doesn't detract from what is a worthy player of the year sort of campaign so far, but we'll see how that works over the Zach next Zach Eady would like a word. Can't, yeah, Zach Eady's a player of the year, but Wilson is 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 there with him. He's in the conversation that, depending on how these next few weeks go, it needs to go a certain way, but certainly Wilson is in the conversation. 
Something that uh, is becoming a big problem here is Kansas is not doing very well in Waco. That is three straight L's for the Kansas Jayhawks. Three straight L's in Waco. Also, three straight L's overall, as we talked about. It is their fourth three-game losing streak in the Self era. They have never lost four straight games under Bill Self. Call your shot. How long does this losing streak reach? Zero more games, I think. One more Nick? game. Ooh, ooh. I know we just completely spoiled our pick'em picks and everything, but with a tough game against Kentucky coming up, and then if you lose that, you get K-State at home. They're number five in the country right now. Then after that, you go at Iowa State, who's top 15 in the country. And then after that, you get Texas at home, who is, you guessed it, top 15. Just a relentless schedule for the Jayhawks. There are no easy way outs in this conference. We've all seen it. We've all seen the stats. We know it's great, but... Man, does it it hits differently whenever how much how nice would it be like in the Pac-12 when you get a, a game against Cal or in the ACC you get Louisville none none such like that here uh, in the Big 12. Okay, let's talk about a player that didn't play very well. Landon, tell me about maybe the most important piece on this Kansas team and after seeing how they've gone in the toilet since he really dipped with his production, might be hard to argue that. Yeah, Dewan Harris, uh, just two points. 1 of 5 from the floor. He did have 4 assists, but also 4 turnovers in 37 total minutes. Uh, a couple of his turnovers came at pivotal moments as well, where the Jayhawks were trying to cut into Baylor's shrinking lead down the stretch. Harris is 2 for 18 from the floor in his last 4 games. He does have 29 assists <laughs> over the same amount of games, but he has 13 turnovers and has 2 baskets in the last 157 minutes played. Uh, yeah, Dewan Harris... He was one of the reasons why I thought this team could be a national title contender yet again because he was so, so good for a while to start the season. And he has, uh, he has dipped. His defense remains pretty solid, but he his offensive production uh, has been uh, bad, to say the least. As uh, Landon stays on his A game, despite Nick trying to hurl some distractions his way, very, very good effort by Nick and a great effort Nick, by Landon it, to stay on track. It, it does, in retrospect, make me go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which that's what the goal was. That's what we were all saying watching DeWan Harris. Nick, this is like, like, DeWan Harris is a touchy subject with Kansas fans because I think the people who critiqued him wound up looking foolish last year because he obviously was a national champion point guard. But also, there was a lot of truth behind what fans were critiquing about DeWan Harris's game last year. Warts that are very real and Remy Martin probably covered up. Now it's like we're getting the Dewan Harris from his not-so-great part of conference play last year, but there's no Remy to bail him out. Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu ain't Remy Martin, in case you hadn't noticed. What's going on with Dewan Harris? Do you attribute it to, to getting slammed on the floor against K-State, or, or is this kind of just who Dewan Harris is, and we're now seeing it a little bit more exposed as the schedule gets tougher? I mean, I don't think this is entirely who Dewan Harris is. Dewan Harris has clearly defined himself in the previous two years he's been under Bill Self as a uh, great passer, a great guy that gets assists, great lobs. Um, usually, assist-to-turnover ratio is very good. He's never been a scorer, so there was kind of fool's gold earlier this season when he made quite a few threes in a row, and, and we maybe got a little bit of a hope that he had improved his shooting in the offseason. Uh, besides that, you know, I had my fair share of criticism for Dewan Harris last season. 
Um, I do think that he has major flaws, especially for a point guard in 20, the 2023 era of college basketball, where you need a point guard that is able to score the ball. Bill Self still likes those those tested and true guards who just get scrappy, like uh, Bobby Pettiford. But I just don't think it really works all that well, especially when you're going against a team like Baylor, who has a trio of guards who can all nail threes and who can all be a deadly threat, who can also pass the ball well, uh, turn the ball over very little, and do all the intangible things that Dewan Harris can do, except Dewan Harris is the one that can't shoot. I have a question for both of you guys. This has been something that's been on my mind for about 24 hours. Dewan Harris, whenever his production dipped, which started in the second half of the K-State game, that's when K.J. Adams' production dipped. They both struggled at the exact same intervals. Is that a coincidence? Not completely. Like, I feel like when, when Adams is doing his thing... Boy, does it take the load off Harris, because usually then Adams is the big type of big that can come out on the perimeter and open up the driving lane for Harris, where he gets the bulk of his shots. Dewan Harris has to score. He doesn't have to score 20 a night. He's got to score 5 to 10 a night. He has to. This is last year's Dewan Harris, and I'll give him credit because he is looking to be aggressive, and some of those off-balance layups that he's very good at have just not gone in recently. That will turn around. He's been a good three-point shooter throughout the course of his career, too. The last two weeks, that has not been the case. That will turn around. But when Dewan Harris isn't playing well, Kansas isn't playing well. And despite the assist numbers, he's not playing well as of right now. He's getting a lot of assists, passing to the lead, to the Big 12's best three-point shooter and the Big 12's best scorer, two different players. The assists aren't telling the whole story here. Dewan Harris, and I'm sure the health is the least part of it because, yeah, the guy slammed his head on the turf. But, or on the on the court. But we've got to see more improvement from him. He's got to score the ball. I suspect that he's the type of player that will start to turn it around. And when he does, Kansas will be significantly better. Because you ain't getting point guard relief on the bench like you did last year. That's just not happening. And now, things that we're so excited to talk about. We're going to talk about the refs. Oh, God. I mean... Yay. No, God, please, no. I mean, we don't, we're not going to go over the stats or anything. The refs, the, the call that I don't understand, Kansas had all the momentum in the world, and they get a steal up one, and Grady Dick gets hammered, like hip check to the floor on a transition layup, and they don't call anything. That, like, three-minute sequence where there were four iffy whistles and none of them went Kansas's way, eventually getting Bill Self a technical, that ultimately really sunk their ship. It was probably going down anyway, but still. How about the refs, guys? Two thumbs down, per usual. In other ref news, did you see Kyle Filipowski get throat-punched and nothing got called? <laughs> yes, I did. Even though the rulebook clearly says that there's no intent, you have to call a flagrant there? Right. That's that's Big 12 refs for you. It's also so did you bad. see that Carl Sheffers got the Super Bowl? Ah, well, you know what? I don't think a better use of this drop has ever come in handy. No, no, no! Because that's what we have to look forward to. J just kidding, Landon. That's you're going to be listening to this after Joe Burrow eliminates the Chiefs. So it's not even going to matter. He can screw the Bengals for all I care. <laughs> The refs are awful. The refs screw everybody. They don't screw Kansas. They don't screw Baylor. They don't screw K-State. They screw them all equally throughout the course of an 18-game slate. And the whole Kansas gets all the calls. Those people seem to be diminishing by the game because more and more fans are realizing, no, the refs 
Nobody gets all the calls. Everyone loses in this conference with these officials. And I'm not convinced they're not better than the Big Ten refs anyway. I watched that Virginia Tech Duke game you're talking about. The ACC refs are awful too. They're all ass. All of them. Ass. Can't stand them. All right, tell mm-hmm. me about... Tell, in most Nick, sports, most of the time. Nick, tell me about someone I can stand, and that's Grady Dick. Yeah, uh, Mr. Dick was really good. He scored a career-high 24 points in 31 minutes. He picked up two fouls Dick before really the first TP timeout and set for seven minutes. But Bill played him despite foul trouble for the rest of the half. Eight for 13 from the floor. Very nice. Two for five from three and six for six at the free throw line, but he only had four rebounds, didn't have any assists. Uh, I don't know why Ryan posed this question. Are there any issues with his performance? I don't think any of us will agree with that. The answer is no. I have a big one, and that's the fact that he got two fouls and said, I don't care about the score. Go over there, get your on the bench. And honestly, they got lucky they weren't buried even further at that point. But let's review, because yes, Grady Dick was awesome. So let's just have a simple review of... I'm going to ask you guys some really difficult questions, all right? 398 shows. I hope you have enough experience to answer this. What happens, where does a player go when they foul out? The bench. That's right. They go to the bench. That's what we're trying to avoid by protecting players when they get in foul trouble, right? We do not want them to end up on the bench. Yeah, and this weird hypothetical you've cooked up, yeah, I suppose so. Now, tell me when you sit a player for having two fouls, where do they go? The bench. Oh, so tell me if I'm wrong. The reasoning behind putting a player on the bench is to make it so hopefully he doesn't eventually have to go back to the same bench? To be fair, the second time he goes to the bench, it would be permanent. But still, your point does stand to a degree. I don't get it at all. I don't get it at all. I I, I get it if he gets three in the first half. Then sit him if you think. And I think Bill Self handled this pretty well. <laughs> Nick, what have you? In hindsight, Nick, what have you done? What 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 are we laughing at? I don't see anything. You got to read the Spanish portion of this. You can kind of <laughs> gather what it says. Where if you where understand did he, where did he vague the, amounts oh, of Spanish? No, <laughs> we have a, something about something we, about male reproductive organs. There's a Kevin McCullough paragraph. That is now supposed to go to the Grady Dick paragraph. Sorry. Oh well, I think it's kind of fitting for McCuller. Um, no, as as far as the auto bench thing, self handled this better than ninety nine percent of college coaches would. By the way, like Bruce Weber would have had Grady on the bench for the entire half, even if it meant falling behind by twenty five. But I mean, come on, put him on the bench for four or five minutes. That's fine. It's not going to change him as much as you think. Look at the math. The math says Grady Dick gets a foul every 14 minutes. That would indicate that even with two fouls in the first half, he's fine. Ugh, just drives me crazy. I hate the two-foul auto bench roll. Even though Bill Self did a pretty good job in this game, I hate the thought of we may need him later, so let's bench him, which may bury you before you even get the chance to get there. I would rather. It's it's kind of like in baseball when uh, you got a, a close game, right? Let's say a game's tied in the seventh inning, and the the best part of your opponent's order is coming up to bat in the eighth inning. Use your best pitcher, the closer, typically save for the ninth innings, typically save for when you already have a lead. No, 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 no. Use him in that immediate inning when there's the biggest threat. Don't save somebody for a hypothetical where you may need him later. Use them now while you still are in said game with a chance. Does that make sense or am I wrong? I think you're right. Then why don't you coach college basketball? We'll get... 
Damn it, Bill! Um, a nice retirement great, package to go sit on the question. beach and enjoy on the border every day for the rest of his life. And we'll we'll insert Landon on uh, in in the job, and that way we can say, "Damn it, Landon!" Whenever something doesn't go right, the, the really it, it, sure. I'll I'll go full Ted Lasso with this. Yeah, just put me in a position <laughs> I'm completely unqualified for, and I will goodwill my way to the top. That's why he has assistants. They call the plays. You just have to make the subs decisions. Come on, Landon, you could do it. Uh, in all seriousness, the only thing I can say, damn it, Bill, about in this game is that technical foul, which was really dumb. Like you cannot get a technical there, and that's something that Bill Self should not be above criticism for. If any of his players had gotten a technical at that moment, they would have been hammered by their coach. I don't think he. I don't know what he did to get it because it's Doug Sermons and sometimes you just have to deal with being sermons but you can't get that technical there that basically ended any hope they had because it flipped the momentum right back they had the ball with a chance to cut it from six to four and instead it goes from six to eight can't do it just can't happen all right let's talk about Kevin McCuller land and tell me about I, 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 I still don't really know if he had a good game or not I, I don't know yeah me neither it was definitely a mixed bag for him he had, a, he had a solid stat line, don't get me wrong. 14 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. You'll take that all day. He was just 3 of 9 from the floor, though. And by missing 3 more threes, he has missed now 11 consecutive 3-pointers dating back to the West Virginia Road game. He played 36 minutes in this one. Uh, also, as a side note, as we'll get into more, uh, McCuller, Wilson, and Dick combined for 61 of Kansas 69 points. As I mentioned earlier, everyone else scored 8 and went a combined 3 of 14 uh, we'll definitely get into that, but McCuller, yeah, good stat line, but an interesting performance. I definitely at least think he finished better than he started. Nick, what about you? Uh, yeah, the, be the beginning of the game was rough. Um, definitely looking at the box score now, it definitely looks better. And, and he has definitely at times been that third option. You have to give him credit that when other guys haven't stepped up, he's been there a few times this season and, and made a big play. He did that against. Uh, he's that done that in the past. He did that in this game winner, game winning three he had earlier this season. So, uh, and in the lately, Wisconsin game where he tied the game right at the end of regulation. Yep. Yeah. So it's a mixed bag from Kevin McCuller. Yeah, McCuller definitely finished better than he started, but that whole sequence in the second half, man, woof, wherever he bricked, he was playing volleyball with himself, and as Landon pointed out in our group chat, as Grady Dick was the only person on that half of Texas standing in the corner there, and how Kevin McCuller is just playing volleyball with himself off the rim and not being completely oblivious to, to Grady at that moment. Kevin's a smart player. I still wonder if the Texas Tech game, that crowd got in his head a little bit. This was the first time we've seen him go out there and put up quality numbers. He needs to make a couple of threes, obviously. He needs to make a couple of games for that impact to really be felt. But I got to think that better days are on the way for Kevin McCuller. As frustrating as he can be, when things are going poorly, he's not the player that's just going to grab the ball and score you eight quick points and undo a, a, a drought, flip it into a run real quick. But he's a valuable role player on a team, and he's, he's basically doing exactly what Bill Self is is asking him to do, save for maybe making a couple more threes every now and then. All right, Landon, tell me about, I guess you read about uh, Kevin McCuller. Nick, it's your turn. We need to talk about the bigs as much as none of us may want to. Yeah, KJ Adams struggled in this game, as we hinted to, finishing with four points and three rebounds, 28 total minutes, one for five from the floor, missed at least two super close range shots, left Kansas bench in agony. Uh, theoretically, should be the type of matchup you can counter Baylor ath Baylor's athleticism with, but like you said, in this game, seemed outsized, outmuscled. Uh, Bill Self did give in Ernest Uda five minutes. Looked clueless, though. Zach Clemens, Subi Ejiofor did not play. 
I so here's the thing with KJ and Landon. I'm sure you have analysis on this too. I'll keep it simple and let you do the analyzing. My take is this is the problem that all of us, despite him playing really well for a long stretch, and he's still a very good player. This is the problem with having a six foot six guy starting at the five. Eventually, you're gonna have a game or two where you are blended on the offensive glass. Yeah, I think that definitely is a problem. Um, I also think this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Ryan, about uh, Dewan Harris and KJ Adams struggling at the same time and that not quite being a coincidence. Because, and again, KJ Adams has had a brilliant season, and he's still very good, and I think he'll be better than this most of the season. But, at the same time, he is not a guy that's going to go out and create his own bucket very much. He has started to, actually, a little bit, driving to the hole, and that's been really good to see. But by and large, he is a guy that is not going to just create a shot. Um, right. Just yeah, attacking on his right. own way. Which, in fairness, is pretty difficult for any five to do. Oscar Shibway, oh, David McCormick, sure. those guys didn't really create their own shots. David McCormick started to by the end of his, his career. You, he was a guy you could just feed in the post and he could get a shot up. But certainly, yeah, post players, college post players in general, largely are going to be a function like they are going to function within the offense um and they are going to be a product of their offense largely um and kj adams definitely is that i think with dewan harris um not being quite the uh, efficient player and not being quite the same passer and still a good pass but not the same pass we saw at the beginning of the year i think it's also hurting him because kj's not getting just dunk after dunk or open layup after open layup that we saw um, I do think that is a bit of a tandem thing. Um, and yeah, I think you are right, Ryan. I think with a player of his size, even though he's good, he's not an elite rebounder. And if he's having an off night, you, you are opening yourself up to getting destroyed on the glass. That has been a problem in the last three games. Um, I think he'll be fine, but certainly, uh, it would be nice to have, um, a, a counter punch to KJ Adams, but they don't have anyone that they can really trust to play. They need Ernest Uday so bad, and it may be too late for that ship. It really might be, but they need Ernest Uday to be better, and I'm glad that we're starting to see them give him a couple of minutes both in this game and against TCU. I think Bill Self came out after the TCU game. He didn't say that he should have been playing Ernest Uday more all year, but he kind of hinted at it that he and MJ Rice need to play more minutes, so we've seen that the last couple of nights, and the results haven't been pretty, but these are guys that this is the weakness of Bill Self. Ernest Uday should have been playing more in the second half of the Seton Hall game when they're up by 100. Ernest Uday should have been getting 17 minutes in the second half against Texas Southern when they were rolling them because you're going to need those guys, especially in a especially with a team where your center is 6'6". I don't have any confidence Zach Clements is going to be more than a gadget player that you have for three, four matchups a year where it makes sense to steal a couple minutes with him. And Zuby isn't going to be that guy this year. Ernest Uday is their only chance. Not confident we're going to see it get there, though. Uh, Landon, tell me about the rest of the players here. There really isn't much excitement. Uh, Dewan Harris is struggling, but it really would help him out if he could get some help off the bench from the other point guards. It ain't happening. Yeah, and I do think this is one of the biggest problems with Kansas as it currently stands. Uh, the bench gives you almost nothing, and that's been the case all season, but it definitely sticks out like a sore thumb in these types of games. MJ Rice did score a second-chance basket in four minutes. That was his only points. Three turnovers, two fouls in that same time. Bobby Pettiford did nothing in six minutes. Joe Yesfu missed two shots in 15 minutes. The two backup point guards have combined for seven points in 71 minutes. 
during the three-game losing streak. That's not good enough. Bobby Pettiford may go on to have a good Kansas career, but I think we did, uh, you know, as we are wont to do, uh, I, I think we jumped on the hype train a little early watching him tear up North Dakota State. I don't know if Bobby Pettiford... Uh, yeah, I we, we did. We jumped on the hype train a little early, but I, I think Bobby Pettiford would be better if he looked to score more. I don't know why he doesn't ever look to score. He'll take a couple of contested layups a game, but I, I don't know. I, I've seen things from him that at least make me optimistic. I don't get the Joe Yesifu thing. Bill Self said in Hawk Talk today that Joe Yesifu is ready to break out. Okay, I'll believe that when I see it. I've been waiting for that for a year and a half. Pettiford, I think his skill set better sits their offense. Uh, Nick, do you think that either one of these guys is going to be an actual impact player this year? Because if not, then you're really putting a, a lot of strain on Dewan Harris. Yeah, I don't think he is. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I hope it does. I really would love that. I would love that more than anything because that would get Dewan Harris off the mat. But I haven't seen anything from Pettiford since, like, he I, Pettiford played pretty well in one of the conference games. I think it was at Texas Tech. Other than that, I haven't seen anything since the Omaha opener from Pettiford. And I really haven't ever seen anything from Joe Yesifu aside from that one random game in Ames when half the team was out because Ochai Abaji had COVID. Well, that would make me think that's going to be anything. It's the Dewan Harris show. It really is the rest of the year. Uh, I also, we don't have, uh, we, we saw LJ Cryer make a lot of baskets because what else would you expect? But we really don't have a white guy of the game, even though I absolutely cannot believe that that guy, Caleb Loner, I can't believe he didn't make that three. That, that Landon, what did you say in the notes? He was the whitest looking human on earth? Uh, something like that. The whitest Big 12 player I've ever seen, maybe. Is he wider than Caleb Grill? I think a little bit. Because Caleb Grill's got, like, the Patrick Mahomes haircut now. I so think that... Loner's a little pastier, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I've i seen them both almost make back-breaking threes against the team I root for. So I guess they can't be official white guys at the game until they do that, which, give them another year. Any other thoughts on this game? I think we did a pretty good job summarizing it. None of us are pushing the panic button about the Jayhawks. We're going to get into that a lot more on Ask RCB. Uh, but... You know they lost the uh, they lost their third in a row. They lost to a, a team that I think is going to be in the top ten here before long. They clearly have already had their warts and now they're steamrolling right right all the way. Kansas was three games ahead of Baylor in the standings six days ago. Now they're tied. Yeesh. That's a that's that's a good way to uh, to completely hurt your chances of winning the conference. Any closing thoughts on this game? Not particularly. I, I I didn't think Kansas played that poorly, but at the same time, I think they do have some big flaws that are going to hurt them a lot in these kinds of games uh, until they can get it figured out if they can. I, again, I'm not hitting the panic button. I think they're going to win a bunch of games going forward, but um, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Bill counters this. Nick, you got any closing thoughts about watching the Jayhawks take a third straight L? Uh, it's not looking good. All right, and on that positive note, Kansas, 46% from the floor, which was fine. 26% from three was not, and 100% at the free throw line. That's something that I feel like we need to give this team props about. They've turned into a very good free throw shooting team. Grady Dixon, elite free throw shooter. Jalen Wilson has gone from being a very shaky to an excellent free throw shooter over the course of his career, and we've seen K.J. Adams get a lot better as well. 
but the, so the team was great. Too bad they could have gotten fouled more. They were only negative two on the glass, but they were minus nine on the offensive glass. Offensive rebounds, I feel like, are about they're every one offensive rebound feels as valuable as two defensive ones. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's just kind of how it feels. Too many turnovers, whatever. You know the drill. Big 12 game. No, just kidding. We're doing a curveball today. How about this experimenting uh, segment with Inside the Paint? We're going to do Ask RCB first because just about every question that you guys asked is about the Jayhawks. So it really doesn't make a lot of sense for us to talk about Texas and Oklahoma State and then go right back to Kansas. Let's see how this works. Starting with uh, the always level-headed at Kim Lippolt Golf who says, did you laugh at any particular sequence during the game? He adds that he laughed when Grady Dick was wide open in the corner and McCuller missed like two straight layups after getting blocked. Then KJ missed the short one. That I, I don't know if Landon laughed, but based on Landon's text, there was some emotional reaction going on there. Yeah, there definitely was. I kind of internally chuckled at least at like a few of the, the later game threes from Baylor. Yeah, I said, like the the crier crier's last one when he went to four for five, which was just like a between the legs dribble step back three with a hand right in his face. That kind of got a little, huh, huh, huh. Oh, okay, this is what we're doing. But yes, there was plenty of nonsense, as as you know. All right, Landon, we got a minefield of questions today. Not because they're bad questions, just there's just a lot of them. Uh, so let's try to combine ones that have similar subject matters. Uh, go ahead and, and take over a couple. Um, let's see. Well, the first one that stands out to me is is kind of a solo on its own question, but I like it. Uh, Josh Wilson 80 at Josh Wilson 80 posits, are we tanking to hurt K-State's RPI? I, I like that theory. <laughs> I mean, at this point, K-State's got to be feeling like, man, we only beat the Jayhawks by one. How much do we suck? Kind of like how Kansas fans are feeling that way about Oklahoma, because apparently every damn team in the Big 12 can rip uh, can rip the uh the uh whatever they're called the Sooners a new one and Kansas goes down to the wire with them every time they play so I like it I like that question uh we also have a, a decent amount about the bench or the, the bench the bench um talking about you know who'd you go with yes if it were Harris no! is is Jankovic a better bench option at this point, okay. Uh, Let's not what get big should come spooked. off the bench? So, Wait so a minute. we've talked about it already, but <laughs> Wait uh, a minute. bench what? ideas. Joe Yesifu is not going to get mistaken for Shy Gilgis Alexander out there, but we want Mike Jankovic over the man? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm okay if you want to put Jank in there for a couple minutes when you need threes, but like as an actual rotation player, I, mm, as you said once, Lane, I'd love to always... see him defend Keontae Johnson. Ooh, yeah, no, that would not go well unless you root for the J, unless you root for the Wildcats, then it would go great. Uh, Landon, you mentioned, like, fans have tendency to say this, including us, by the way, have tendency to say, well, they should give enter walk-on name here some minutes, but, like, it probably won't work. Probably not. I mean, I, I don't think it would be a terrible, terrible idea, because Mike Jankovic is a actually solid three-point shooter. Is he going to shoot 40% in actual minutes? No, obviously not. Um... If you wanted to play some zone and maybe put him at the top or in one of the corners of the zone, um, maybe, maybe you could play him a little bit. But that's definitely not Bill's move. Um, Man-to-man defense for a guy like that, most walk-ons, is going to be tough. 
um, against, you know, starting caliber players in the Big 12. Uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, we've seen it. Clay Young came in, played very serviceably against Syracuse, put some really solid minutes in. Um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be super... Po- I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be interesting to watch. So, from that perspective, sure, give it a go. But, yeah, I don't think it would go super well unless you really schemed for it, especially. So the K-State-Iowa State game is about to end. Well, the Big 12 refs are currently headed to the monitor, so it might end by next Tuesday. Um, but the So Keontae Johnson, I just showed a close-up, and he has on the right behind his ear a tattoo, and it's the king of hearts, like what you'd see on a playing card, the K and the heart. Cool, yes or no? Yes. I don't know the context of it, but that sounds pretty darn awesome. Like, if okay, if you had to get a playing card tattooed on you, or if you don't like that tattoo questions what playing card are you uh i would get a spade tattoo looks the coolest i think i i think i'm the joker right i I think that that's it's the card that that it's you don't realize how much you need it until it's gone then you're like oh i really miss that joker that's that's me also most chaos energy correct yeah if but like i feel like that uh i i have answers for nick but i want him to answer nick what playing card are you the blank part of the card, the white spot. <laughs> well, so you'd be like the two of diamonds or something where there's tons and tons of white space on it, I guess. Uh, a couple questions here. All right, let's 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 call our shots here. At Joe Libera, uh, when will the Jayhawks stop losing basketball games? I say it's this weekend. Saturday. Uh, probably Monday or whenever they play K-State. Yeah. <laughs> You think that they have a better shot? I guess, yeah, Allen Fieldhouse. But I, I don't know what you've seen out of K-State that would make you think, oh, they're absolutely winning that one. At are your Sixers, where do you think leadership within the team is lacking right now? Who needs to step up and be the voice within the team? What do you guys think? Uh, it's Jalen Wilson's job to lose, I'd say. I think he has the voice already, though. So Kevin McCuller probably because he's one of the older guys. Hold on. What? This is what. See, I don't understand this. You guys may be able to help me get this. I don't understand why, whenever they lose three in a row, that they're right there with two of them, and the other one they just didn't play well. It happens. I don't understand why everybody thinks it's a leadership problem. No, like I don't. They're doing something wrong. I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think problem. it's more who's the guy that steps up to like to keep morale up. Who's the, the guy that closed steps door up? meeting guy who calls the meeting yeah. and says we're we've had enough of this. Yes. it's Jalen Wilson, and you could do a hell of a lot worse than that. Jalen Wilson's one of the best leaders in the country. He's been there. How many players have the experience Jalen Wilson has, the skill that Jalen Wilson has, and the pedigree that Jalen Wilson has on his own team? He's the leader of the team by miles right now. Yeah, agreed. I'll read one more here. At Kevin, not only one. Will Bill give in and play a real big man? He wants to. Trust me, if there's one thing Bill Self wants to do, it's play a big, but he really doesn't have any options. What what can he honestly do? Because if you say play Ernest Uday Jr. 25 minutes, I don't see anybody on Twitter messaging me saying, play Ernest Uday 25 minutes. Whenever it doesn't work, people talk, come to the questions and talk about Bill Self. He's doing something wrong. But what would you do? Would you play Ernest Uday more than KJ Adams? What do you do? I'd play him more than he's currently playing. Yeah, but Ernest Uday can't give you anything right now. I agree. They need to get him that. They need to get him that experience. He's he's behind compared to where he should be. Same with MJ Rice. But you can't actually think putting Ernest Uday in a game right now helps your chances. It doesn't. 
No, and that's where you're a little bit at a lost cause, currently speaking. Because also, yeah, you're not getting a game against Washington State at home uh, or a game against Notre Dame where you can I mean, you can't just like schedule Omaha and Seton Hall and though and North Dakota State. Like, those would be great games to get these guys experience. But it's not like we could put that on the schedule or anything, right? That's not how basketball works. Damn it, Bill! They should have played earlier. We have this every year. Kansas has lots of talent, but they're thin. Just like most years. When the starters don't produce on any team. Pick number one, pick number 350. Any team in the country. The starters don't play well. The bench normally isn't going to save them. That's why they're on the bench. But you got to get more than you're getting. And that's on the players. Ernest Uday and MJ Rice have to be better than they are because it is the only way you're going to get minutes in a Bill Self system. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Let's see what we got else here. Uh, from at Kansas Kick One, is Cam Martin the biggest waste of a scholarship ever? No, that would be uh, that probably Ty and Grant Foster, unfortunately. Ty and Grant Foster. I mean, they gave Dwight Colby a scholarship for like three years, and what did that amount to? Like they've they hey, Dwight definitely... Colby played well in a few games. I think Dwight Colby actually played well in the last time they won at Rupp, right? Didn't he play pretty well in that game, or am I just making that up? He, I don't remember if it was that game specifically, but he did have a couple genuinely big games. I, I watched Tyon Grant Foster shoot three out of 25 on threes while getting his entire school tuition for the year paid for. And I, without getting into the, these kids should be paid in scholarships conversations, you want to talk about a waste of 40 grand plus room and board. How about giving Tyon Grant Foster that equivalent to make three flipping threes all season long for you? I think Cam Martin, he's clearly not healthy. Disappointed for Cam. Clearly, this is not how he thought the season would go. Uh, he hasn't made much of an impact at all. He's not healthy. He's been in street coats the last two games. Also, if Cam Martin was available, the Baylor game is the sort of game that it would have been nice to throw him out there. You want a bigger body on the on the rebounding edge that can help you get a couple of those offensive, or keep Baylor off the offensive glass just slightly, while also being able to shoot threes? Well, Cam's your guy, but he's not healthy. You can't tell uh, me that Cam so, Martin is worse than Zach Clements, Ernest Uday, or Zuby Ejiofor right now. Not in three years. Right now, you cannot tell me Cam Martin's worse than those guys. I think he is, but that's besides the point. I'd love to see it. Then we'd at least have seen it to know the answer. Uh, a few fun ones from here from at Matt underscore Galantine. Always can count on a good question from Matt. Uh, first one, favorite Jayhawk to watch develop over three to four years. I mean, it's Frank Mason. It's Frank Mason the third going from afterthought yeah. recruit to national player of the year. Uh, my favorite to truly track the development of was Svima Kyluk. Yeah, that's an interesting call too, just because he came in so young at 16 and left as one of the deadliest snipers in the history of the Jayhawks. Also, personally, Jalen Wilson's up there too. Jalen Wilson was a cocky 18-year-old who got a DUI and... We're, we're thinking, like, he could be good, but he might be really inconsistent. Broke his foot. We had no idea what that was ever going to amount to. Then he turned out being one of the toughest on-the-court leaders that we've ever seen, and he helped lead them into, He led them in scoring in the national championship, now becoming a leader. That's why Bill Self is so good at his job. It's because we see stories like that come out of his program a lot. Really need to see his development going from 18-year-old who seemed like kind of a cocky hothead who got a DUI to now being a leader on a national champion. Oach is also up there going, also from, like, oh, that could be a fun developmental piece in a couple years to, you know, averaging, like, 20 a night in his senior year. Yeah. Oach getting the, uh, the, the getting red-shirted to being the, a first-team yeah. All-America, yeah. 
Being the most outstanding player in the Final Four. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, there's a couple... Oh, go oh, ahead. I was going to say, next one from Matt. Uh, greatest athlete ever. Like, our opinion or, like, uh, I mean, our favorite? On definition of athlete, I mean, the best pure, like, physical athlete ever is Bo Jackson. Uh, LeBron James says hi, but they're they're both right up there. Like, uh, you could probably say Deion Sanders, too, if you're going to yeah, the Yeah, he's just not far. I uh, think the best but, player of their sport ever is Lionel Messi. Uh, no, get the soccer crap out of here. It's Patrick Mahomes. No, you no, it's not. It's Lionel Messi, and it's not close. Not really. Well, Nick, Wayne I mean, Gretzky is us. also up there. I mean, Michael Jordan, and like you, you're talking about those guys, but Patrick Mahomes is the greatest thrower of the football that's ever existed in life. And Lionel Messi is a better soccer player than Mahomes will be a football player ever. That makes me sad. So I prefer you not to say that. But if they lose to the <laughs> that's Oklahoma. An ex- if, that is a bar that is stupidly high. So I almost it's said not exactly they, a diss. I almost said if Mahomes loses to the Oklahoma State Bengals because they were showing the highlights of Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, but if he loses to the Bengals again, I may honestly just end the show because I will be dead back behind my in my backyard from you know how that goes. Uh, Nick, who's the greatest athlete of all time? KU player, just of all time. Just all of time. all time. Anybody. Um. Hmm. Oh, I'm horny. That's a tough question. I mean, it's hard to compare sports. Uh, probably. Well, Landon uh, made it sound like it's so easy. Uh, oh boy. Oh, I'm horny. Federer, probably. Yeah, that's also not a horrible answer. Um, we got several about the bench here. At KU tweets and news, what will it take to get Joe? Or what will it take to let Joe run backup point guard by himself with Harris on the bench? At Randy Carlton SR, why is self so stubborn that he doesn't play the bench more, even if it results in early losses? Didn't we already um, summarize then, these? Then, yeah, then there was one more down here about uh, Joe Yasafu. At Larry at NSB, where is the bench? How long can we compete going seven deep the rest of the way? And at K Eden 14, should Harris and Pettiford play less minutes? Yesifu seemed like a much better fit with some of these non-scoring lineups Bill uses. What do you guys think? Is Joe Yesifu if you're gonna give Joe Yesifu, you know, that his 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 dues and give him 20 minutes a game, is that really gonna save him? No. I don't think it is either. I think they might get more scoring, but I think other stuff gets screwed up. Yeah, because he's not he's fine. I mean he's whatever. And Kansas teams always are, like, eight deep at the most. What was last year's team? Last year's team had their starting five, and they had Mitch Lightfoot and Remy Martin. They were seven deep. Yeah, but they had five scores. That's true. Then that's the big difference, because this year they have two for sure and two halves. And then three shrug question marks, hands in the air. Uh, Dewan Harris is none of those things. Uh, I give a half point to KJ Adams and a half point to Kevin McCuller. They have two and a half, or they have two halves and two holes. So I guess they have two and two halves. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's any any other questions particularly interesting that I'm seeing here. At Keith Hyatt, uh, the Jayhawks have been outscored by 36 points, 12 by K-State, 13 by TCU, and 11 by Baylor by the first half under 12 TV timeout. Eesh. 24 points in the three games came between the under-16 and under-12 TV timeouts. 
What adjustments need to be made? Yeah, were you, remember last year's team would just smash people out of the shoot. They got off to great starts. Missouri at home. Baylor at home. A couple times in the national championship game. Villanova being a good example. They just hammered teams early on. Remember what they did to West Virginia in the Big 12 tournament? Bob Huggins got ejected before West Virginia's starter scored a point, if I recall correctly. Like, they would blitz teams early. Why is that harder for this team? Is it because they don't have as many scorers? I think that's part of it. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that would probably be part of it. They need to get better at this. Allen Fieldhouse is too good of an advantage for them to fall behind by this many points every time they play. They've played, what, four conference home games? Or is it only three? They've played TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. They did not get off to a truly good start in any of those games. They trailed in the first half in all of them, and that's just not what we're used to. Gotta start quicker. Got to get more of Dewan Harris. Look what they did to Indiana when they had Dewan Harris and KJ Adams on their games. Landon, you got anything else? Nah, I'm good. At AJ Stevenson with one here, is there any reason to remain invested in this season when KU's best seasons are all during even-numbered years? Well, I guess, yeah. Instead, you just may as well invest your time in the Emaw, bitches. And the very last one, at Travius99. So are we going to reduce Jalen Wilson's shot volume and give him to Kevin the turnover machine McCuller? No. Nobody wants to take Jalen Wilson's shots away, right? Not right now. At Daler012, do we set starters against Kentucky to give them rest? The game means nothing. Yes, that's how you think. No, that's not how Bill Self thinks. It ain't happening. And it should not be how anyone thinks because it's still a game you got to win. It's going to give the guys confidence if they get it. Hope you're ready for 37 minutes of Dewan Harris because they're playing that way. If you ever have any AskRCBs, use the Twitter hashtag AskRCB. Other games! Boy, does this feel weird, but I'm glad we did this because, well, we have results now, beginning with an absolute depancing of epic proportions. Number 11, TCU 79, Oklahoma 52. I don't know whether to push. Oh, I'm horny. Or, if you're Oklahoma. <laughs> Landon, tell me all about it. Yeah, not a close game. Uh, a clock cleaning in every sense of the word. Mike Miles had 23 points. And even without Eddie Lampkin, the Horn Frogs absolutely dominated Oklahoma by jumping to an 11-0 start, never looking back. Tanner Groves is terrible. Um, he is terrible against everyone but Kansas that one time because he's not even good against Kansas now. OU starting five combined, combined to make eight shots in the entire How many game. shots was that? How many shots was that? Eight. Eight. Tanner Groves, man, I I didn't see that coming. I know that he played his whole career at a uh, at a at a smaller school, so the Big Twelve is different. Two points, one basket, and fouling out in 18 minutes for Tanner Groves. Fouling out in 18 minutes. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's what uh, that's what Kevin McCuller basically did the other night. It just ain't it for Oklahoma. TCU, I feel a little bit uh, validated with my TCU claims. I've been telling you for a long time now, TCU is the second best team in the Big 12 after Kansas. I still believe that to be true. I don't know where they're going to finish in the Big 12 race, but there's not a Big 12 team besides Kansas that I would feel more comfortable betting on to win the NCAA tournament or at least go deep into it than a TCU team that was almost to the Sweet 16 last year against the one seed. They are a really good team. Love the roster they have and love watching Mike Miles play basketball ball number 12 iowa state 80 number five kansas state 76 
Well, it's snowing outside, so you don't normally get sirens for snow, but you do whenever we have a tie for Big 12 first place, and it does not involve the Jayhawks. Landon, tell me about what we just witnessed at the Hilton Coliseum. Yeah, Iowa State defeats K-State 80-76. Iowa State had a fairly good-sized lead. K-State definitely battled back to make it a game, made the Cyclones sweat it out. But Iowa State gets away with the win, and they are 6-2. and two. Just as we all predicted in the preseason, Iowa State and K-State are tied for the lead of the conference. Yep. Jaron Holmes led the way, 23 points for the Cyclones. Marquise Noel matching that with 23 for the Wildcats. A double-double for Keontae Johnson. K-State shot 52%, but what have we been saying is going to bite to them eventually here? Their defense. Iowa State shot 57% from the floor, shot over 60% on twos, and got burned. The Wildcats getting burned in transition. I think the Wildcats' time is coming for a three out of four loss streak or something like that. We all get the break with the Big 12 SEC Challenge here coming up, but Kansas State, their next league game is at Allen Fieldhouse. They're not going to be favored in that one. Texas at home, TCU at home, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma. Those five games, one more time, at KU, Texas, TCU, at Tech, at Oklahoma. How many wins for the Wildcats there? Two. Yep. And if they go two and three, then that will mean that is a four out of six losing streak for them. That is what happens in the Big 12. Just too many L's to be taken. Who finishes higher in the standings, Iowa State or Oklahoma State? Or, excuse me, Iowa State or K-State? Um, I think they will finish tied in the standings. Uh, behind Kansas? Probably. Yes. Stop. Yes. It's still, yes. They're better. They're better than, uh, than than we thought they would be coming into the year, but Kansas is better than those teams, and it will be reflected. Kansas is going through the worst part of their season right now. K-State and Iowa State are going through the best part of their seasons right now, and they're one game apart. It'll be just fine. Number 10, Texas, 89. Oklahoma State, 75. The Longhorns just keep on winning. They, just like K-State and Iowa State, are in a tie for the lead of the Big 12 at 6-2. And And in this game, pretty uneventful. Marcus Carr did have 21 points. Um, Really nothing going for Oklahoma State of interest. Is Texas pretty good? Like, did we just totally forget that Texas exists? I told you Texas was going to be pretty good, man. They've been really good, and they don't have their leader right now. Like, is that something that jumps off the page to you? It at least does for me. Uh, I think this also might be a, a, a factor of maybe Chris Beard was part of the problem. Um, but uh, it is impressive, though, to lose your head coach and still be really good. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I t- I've said a couple times on this podcast that I find myself rooting for Texas more than I normally would just because I feel bad for those kids and how much they got screwed by their head coach. It's good to see them winning games, and they're winning the games that they used to lose. Like, they used to absolutely, after winning on the road in a narrow one at West Virginia, come home and drop a deuce in their pants to Oklahoma State at home. Not this year. Good for them for doing that. And then the other Big 12 game, uh, amazing record-setting performance here. Texas Tech, 224. West Virginia, 223. It was a barn burner of a game in Lubbock, but the Red Raiders get their first win of Big 12 play. How about that? Uh, Programming note, this podcast is being recorded before this game has been played. We don't know the results. Nope, it could be anything. So technically what I just said may have happened. Ultimately, we're expecting Texas Tech to get their first win, uh, albeit 
If it really, if if anything happens in this game that you absolutely gotta know about, we'll tell you on the next podcast. But that's the one you're missing. First uh, game we've never. Or this, that's the first time that we haven't had every Big Twelve game done when we're doing a show. That's crazy. But it's it's what a game to break that streak for. Am I, say, I right? What a, what a shame. Big Twelve standings. We got a three way. Mm, always always enjoy <laughs> a good three way. K-State, Iowa State. partaken several times, Ryan. (laughs) We actually have two different three ways, but one's better than the other, per per usual. K-State, Iowa State, and Texas. They're all uh, sharing the hot tub together at 6-2 atop the Big 12. Over in the guest room is Kansas, Baylor, and TCU at (laughs) 5-3. Landon, in this analogy, is in (laughs) 7th. By themselves, <laughs> Oklahoma State is three and five. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Landon, I don't care what your dating life is like. If you're telling me you're the Oklahoma State of social lives, that's really sad. That you're is at, terrible. You're, you're at least a, like you're at least the friggin' I don't know. West Virginia's got a personality, right? Like Oklahoma State's got nothing. I agree. Oh, <laughs> no matter what, this is very very sad. What a sad so sad big- loss. We talked about we talked about if the Big Twelve is top heavy or not. Uh, they have very very clear a uh, top six, right? The bottom four are bad. The top six are good. Yeah, I think the bottom four became pretty clear pretty fast, and it's definitely holding out as such. Because number eight is Oklahoma. They're two and six. Screw you, Tanner Groves. Uh, number eight, Oklahoma. No, no, you said that one. Number nine, yep. probably West Virginia, <coughs> one and six, pending tomorrow. And number ten. Texas Tech, zero and seven. They'll both be one and seven, or Texas Tech will be two games by themselves. I think the game's in Lubbock too, so Texas Tech will probably win. Whatever. Like, uh, how many Big Twelve teams make the tournament? The top six are all in the top twenty of the AP poll. They all seem pretty safe. Are we going to get a seventh team from the league in there? No. No. I still think one of them gets in. Oklahoma's not helping at all. It's like they want to miss the tournament at this point, but because they're say bad. One of- one of them beats Kansas at home and, I don't know, K-State on the road, figures something funny out and gets it done, whatever. That is your Big 12 standings. And now it's time for other games. A congratulations is in place for the Georgetown Hoyas. Now, you may be listening to this thinking, why the hell are they talking about Georgetown? That team sucks balls. They do suck balls, but they won. They won a Big East game, their first conference win since, remember, way back when in the COVID tournament when they got hot and won the Big East tournament to sneak in as a 12 seed in the NCAAs? That was their last Big East win the streak ends 29 straight losses to Big East teams 34 straight losses to major conference teams even though DePaul is is really putting a stretch on major conference team but congrats Georgetown party it up on uh, Patrick Ewing's uh, uh in, in honor of Patrick Ewing may he rest in peace uh another streak was broken of Houston beating teams that suck uh the number one team in the land lost and went down just two spots for some reason I guess they really are Gonzaga Jr. Temple went into Houston. Temple went into Houston uh, and took down the Cougars 56-55. to Ryan says bleep them, am I right? No, and I actually I said say no, but they them, deserve to right? go down farther than two spots. Yep. Well, yes. There are they very are few other games to recap. Just how we're recording this on Tuesday, but we can't talk about Duke, who lost at 1-7. and seven. Uh, in conference play, Virginia Tech, 78-75, to despite 29 points from Kyle Filipowski. The Blue Devils are 14-6. North Carolina is 14-6. But Syracuse, 
They beat Syracuse. That was a note for me to go find it. So they ended up getting a win at the O-Dome. They were 15-6. and six. They look like they may be kind of starting to do what they did last year, which is slow start and kind of get better as the season goes along. Uh, so here's the thing with uh, – yeah, yeah, I knew that was coming. Uh, here's the thing, the Blue Devils. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hot take, and I want you guys to tell me if I'm wrong. I can sometimes be reactionary, but I'm being serious. They should fire John Shire at the end of the year and call Scott Drew. Or yeah, Neos. he's terrible. Yes, he's terrible watching the way he, what he does with Filipowski. He should give half his checks to Filipowski because that's the only reason they don't have a losing record. And as you pointed out earlier, I don't remember if this was on the air or not, Kyle Filipowski got elbowed in the face by a guy that was celebrating in the throat, and they didn't call a foul. They didn't even call a regular foul. Even though it very clearly is. And refs... I know they're typically known for screwing Duke, so it's a tough day for the Blue Devils seeing that happen once again to them. But yes, they should swallow your pride, tell Coach K to piss off because he's no longer associated with your program, and go hire the best damn coach! Who cares where he went to college? Why is this hard? Correct. Drives me nuts. Leading the ACC is number 24, Clemson who I wrote beat in question marks because I wrote these notes this morning. They did, in fact, beat uh, Georgia Tech at home. They're 9-1 and one in conference play. Who is the best team in the ACC? And better question, maybe, does it matter? It, I don't think it does matter, but I guess it might be Miami. I think it is Miami. They won at Florida State in a blowout tonight as well. Virginia is also in there, as gross as it is to admit. Uh, number three, Purdue keeps on narrowly winning as they squeaked out a three-point win over Maryland on Sunday. They are set to run away with the Big Ten crown as they are 8-1. and one. And everyone else in the league uh, in the league has at least, uh, and then oh, you just said oh, losses in the number. There, there you so go. Three. There you go, buddy. Uh, who's in last place, Nick? It's not Nebraska. Is it Minnesota? Yeah, Nick, I, I put the drop on the board just for you. It, the team that's in last place is... Minnesota! <laughs> I wish Kansas was associated with Minnesota more because I love that drop. That is, that is. I think Joe Biden says the names of several states in that, so I'll have to go and get all of them. I know he says Alabama, which we'll talk about. Speaking of, hey, speaking of, Nick, floor is yours. Yeah, the SEC looks like it's number two Alabama's to lose as of now. Uh, number 15, Auburn. Number four, Tennessee are one game back, while Texas A&M's hot start might be fading, and Kentucky is still the wild card. Missouri got a road win. Uh, at a lousy Ole Miss team to move to 15-5 and five on the year. Yep, Missouri is so much better than we thought, and I know that the people in this area especially are captivated by the job Jerome Tang has done, rightfully so. He's got them 17-3 and three when they were projected to finish the conference last, but Dennis Gates has done a hell of a job at Missouri as well. We all like watching Missouri lose. We all like watching K-State lose, but this town is so much more fun when you have Kansas, Kansas State, and Missouri, all good basketball teams, and I think they are. Some are better than others, but they're all quality teams that should make the NCAA tournament pretty safely all of them is this the year that gonzaga does not win the wcc they've won every wcc title besides one since 2001 they've currently won 10 in a row they are six and one this year but number 22 oh mary saint mary's is seven and oh no gonzaga still wins the league i don't know man gonzaga should seriously be like four and four right now they've looked really lousy even in their wins 
Mm. All right. Uh, number eight, UCLA, and number six, Arizona. Ryan is avoiding answering or reading these monologues for a specific reason. Uh, number six, Arizona, and number eight, UCLA are the best team the Pac-12 has to offer. The most interesting thing in that league is seeing how many games Cal is going to lose. They are currently three and seventeen. Landon, name all three of their wins. Um, <laughs> Arkansas Pine Bluff Tech, uh, Oregon Baptist, and uh, Idaho uh, State Penitentiary. I thought that they beat a. Let's look it up. Cal basketball. Because what else are you going to do at eleven o'clock on a work night? Um, Go to I bed. think that. I think that they beat somebody that actually is okay. I think they beat Oregon State. Uh, no, they beat Colorado, Texas, Arlington, and Stanford. Stanford, oh, poor, poor Jared Haas, somehow lost the Cal by 22 bleeping points. Wow. Very hard to do. Uh, Louisville, I want to watch. They should make Louisville and California play at halftime of the national championship game. <laughs> In the it could only hold game. our attention for that long. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nick was about to drive. There's a picture of Mark Few driving his vehicle there, and you drove it about as well as Mark Few did that night, sir. You want the wheel? No. Mm. Nope. Ranked teams lose since the last show. Number five, K-State. They lost to Iowa State. Number nine, Kansas. Hit the drop three times for me. Oh, okay. Here I come. Ready? One, two, three. Damn it, Bill! Damn it, Bill! Damn it, Bill! And number 25, New Mexico, they lost to Nevada. <laughs> who cares? Blow the horn. Coach Bill Self, you stubborn ass. Uh, do you know who the coach of New Mexico is? Nope. Or, excuse me, do you know who the coach of Nevada is? Nope. Here's a hint. His last coaching gig was at... Minnesota! <laughs> <laughs> um, Why did that sound distorted? Um, oh, oh, I might know who it is. Is it... Uh... His dad oh, may or may not have been this? involved with some hookers and cocaine. Yeah, yeah, it's Patino. Yep, yeah, it's Richard Patino, who looks like if already possibly a vampire Rick Patino got his soul sucked out by an actual <laughs> vampire. That's what Richard Patino looks like. But hey, he he got his he got a win, and he's doing better Nick, than he did you, it. You know, Minnesota. Do you know where Richard Patino had his first major coaching gig? Oh, oh, oh here, here we go. Minnesota. Nope, <laughs> wrong. Manhattan. Can somebody who has who has oh was it really oops can somebody who has ties please get me ten minutes with Joe Biden and so I can record it him saying all fifty states so every time they In play different a team, cadences I can just please yes yes like he can't be as excited as he was about Minnesota and all of them but you know all right all right now we go into a preview no, wait, no I guess. it wasn't Manhattan I'm wrong oh really could it have possibly been it Minnesota <laughs> it was actually an FIU. Uh, but but uh, someone coached at Manhattan. Who the frick coached at Manhattan that was famous? Fran, Fran, Fran Fraschilla. Was it Fran Fraschilla? Or you want me to say it like like Joe did? <laughs> I gotta find this. <laughs> Man, this show was really good at the halfway point until we found the buttons. Well, that can't can't be allowed to stand. Game obviously. preview. <laughs> hit the horn. Oh, no, I did. Nobody but it was is the answer. On, Never it was, mind. It was on Idiot. mute. Oh, at least we don't have a big game here to preview. Nick, uh, do not blindside me with your memes because this is an important preview, <laughs> I guess. I Number nine, to. Kansas at Kentucky. Saturday, January 28th, one day short of the one-year anniversary of the time that John Calipari rode into town on his horse and <laughs> the Jayhawks right in there <laughs> because that happened and we all watched it. Uh, but hopefully things will go different this time. 
Uh, the Kentucky Wildcats, they are currently 13-6 and six overall, 4-3 and three in SEC play. They are road favorites at Vanderbilt. I mean, who isn't a favorite at Vanderbilt? On Wednesday <laughs> night. So they still have one more game to get through. Technically, that's a basketball game. Before they can worry <laughs> about the Jayhawks. They're only a five-point favorite. It's not an auto-dunk. It's more It's it's more of just slamming Vanderbilt for no apparent reason other than just to hit him from the top rope. Which but, is fair. Vanderbilt deserves it. I hate how on their court you got to sit on the ends, not on the base. Yeah, there's like, yeah. like so much dead space in that arena. It's terrible. Yep, and so much dead basketball teams because they suck. Anchoring Kentucky is reigning National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibwe, who averages 17 points and 14 rebounds per game. He's good at just about everything, but his ability to avoid fouling and his stamina are incredible which leads to a 6'9", 260-pound center, averaging 33 minutes per game this season. Last January at Allen Fieldhouse, he ate David McCormick alive to the tune of 17 points, 14 rebounds, and 4 steals. Add about an, uh, another uh, a 2 in front of each of those numers for this game against KJ Adams. Wing Antonio Reeves, who averages 13 <laughs> points per game, and shoots 40% from 3 and power forward of Jacob Toppin, start at the 3-4. and four. Yeah, of all the numbers that I watched, Shibwe just walking away, blown away with that performance. It was his four steals that just really made me feel dead inside because we expected him to score and rebound. But when he just flat out ripped the damn ball out of David McCormick's hands four times, that's whenever you knew it was really going to be tough. All right, Nick, I'm ready for you. The Wildcats have had many problems this year, but Xavier Wheeler's regression is potentially their biggest. He's averaging six assists per game, but he's been coming off the bench as of late due to his struggles. He's also hurt. Kentucky's starting point guard for the time being is Carson Wallace, who averages 11 points, and there's also... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I saw... I didn't even see the words. I just uh. saw the picture. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That You better hope. You know, the, the security of my Google Drive account, which I do not even put two-factor authentication on, is the only thing that prevents us from getting absolutely canceled in every aspect of life with your notes. All someone needs is one password to read all these notes, which I have said at one point I will make, I will, I will give to the public. I'll let them see the magic. Can't do that. Not with that picture in there. Uh, It's the fact that the door's open and he's standing inside. That's my favorite part. Um, So Carson, Cason Wallace averages 11 points. And then there's also absolute lock for white guy of the game, CJ Frederick. Who get this, guys? You want all of the? Here's here's how you know this is an all-time white guy of the game. Okay, let's go to our checklist. Does he have two first names? Is he white as snow? Has he been a good three-point shooter in the past, but so far this year is struggling? You guessed it. C.J. Frederick, who's shooting 35%, but he was in the high 40s last two years. He is making six of seven, a la Derek Willis. Remember that? How could I forget Derek Willis and his skull tat? <laughs> the skull tats. That's why Nick is like, no, never. And I agree with you on those. Those were awful. Kentucky is stupidly talented for a team that already has six losses by mid-January. John Calipari's insistence on playing two bigs a lot of the time has led to offensive troubles. I would have no experience with that being the case. Uh, the Wildcats play at a quick pace. that shoot way more twos and far too many threes than they should uh, they also felt fa- that doesn't make any sense. They shoot too much of both, Ryan, or is that a, did you say the wrong thing? 
Uh, uh, they they also shoot fell a ton. way more twos and far too few threes. Is the ah, <laughs> that, <laughs> you see know. the word there? Yeah, they should yeah. shoot more threes than they do, and they should take less twos than they do. Anyway, uh, they also fell a ton. They turn it over as much as anyone in a power league, and they are absolutely horrendous at the free throw line. Sounds like they're going fourteen of seventeen. Uh, <laughs> their strengths are almost are are mostly anchored by Oscar Shibway, Shockingly enough. Top five nationally in offensive rebounds. Top 25 national in total rebounds. <laughs> and with so much defensive attention on Chibwe, a very good three-point shooting team at 37%. Last year on this exact weekend, we previewed a game between Kansas and Kentucky where the Jayhawks set three games behind the Wildcats for all-time wins. Uh, this time, Kansas enters either six or seven games ahead of Kentucky in first place, but they have not been good historically in this series. All-time KU is 10-24. and 24 against Kentucky. Kansas is 9 and 8 in the series since 1985. Bill Soft 7 and 5 against Mr. Cal uh, with a 2 and 1 record at Rupp Arena. All right, so my prediction on this game is it won't be as bad as last year's because last year's game, I believe Christian Brown hit a 3 to open the scoring and then And by the end of the game, there were more Kentucky fans than Kansas fans left in the old barn. This time will be different. Question is, how much different? You have already all set our picks. Let's hear some analysis. Landon, start us off, Mr. Positive. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have, honestly, I do not have much analysis to offer. And you can just cut that clean, and we can play that over and over again for the rest of my time on the show. Um, <laughs> I really don't. This is This is going off of a vibe. I think Kentucky is overrated. Um, they are playing better as of late. I, I still think they're just okay. I think Cal is on a downward stretch. Um, I think this is a game that it's going to be very, very, very popular to pick Kentucky by all standard metrics. And I think Kansas is going to come in and prove those people wrong. I think they're going to play with some fire. Um, I, I think even they might get off to another slow start. It would be hard not to in, uh, in Rupp, but I do think Kansas is going to win this game. Um, if for nothing else other than uh, vibes, that's really all I have. I, I don't have any particular reason. I, I think Oscar Shibwe has a good chance to dominate KJ Adams down low. It's a team that can shoot threes. KU has given up a bunch of threes this season. Whether that's their fault or just bad luck, it's a little bit of both. Um, but I think I think KU wins this game for really no reason other than I just think they do. Uh, so give me Kansas to win 76-72. to uh, I already spoiled it, but I'm going to pick Kentucky in this game. Uh, Ryan alluded to it just now that uh, there's a there's a tiny belief that KU might focus a little bit too much on Oscar Shibway in this game. We already noted that uh, Kentucky's pretty good from three-point range. I think that's going to be a problem for Kansas, and I think that uh, just a brutal stretch continues. They have to play at Rupp Arena on a Kentucky team that's trending in the right direction. Kansas is trending in the wrong direction. I think all signs point to a fourth straight Bill Self L. All right. Well, you want my analysis? It'll be quick and sweet and to the point. Kansas ain't losing four in a row. They win this one going away. Kansas 82, Kentucky 66. Wow. That'd be beautiful. That's all I got. That's all I got. Uh, Hopefully, Oscar Sheboy can get his. Kansas is better at the other positions. That's all that matters. So don't let Oscar score 70, but Kansas fans who are like Jalen Wilson bullhogs too much, they should love Kansas's chance in this game because Oscar can score 100 and it won't matter with those fans. So yes, Kansas wins going away. They're better than Kentucky. Self's better than Calipari. These kids are going to get focused and I think they win. I would take a one point win. Doesn't have to be by 18, but you know, if it is, that's, that's great. Other games. 
And this is Big 12 SEC Challenge Week. If you look closely, you can see the one fan that's excited for this event because we've been doing this for 10 damn years. At this point, let's do something else. Anything else. But we're going to pick all 10 games. We already picked one of them. Number 15, Auburn at West Virginia. I think that this feels like the sort of game where an SEC team isn't quite on the Big 12 level of physicality and they lose. Give me the Mountain Mamas. Give me Auburn. Way better Auburn. team. Uh, number two, Alabama at Oklahoma. Yeah, I want no part of that logic here. Uh, Crimson tied by 100. Yep. Yeah, Oklahoma's going to get abused. We can watch Tua Tagovailoa against Jalen Hurts, you know, the last time these two teams played. And Alabama won that game by 1,000. So this time, we're going to see the basketball team win by 1,000. Texas Tech at LSU. Uh, don't really care. I will say the Red Raiders went on the road. LSU's bad. Uh, what is LSU's actual record? Why do I care? Every so much time I look up LSU, they're losing by 40 to Bama or 40 to, uh, they lost by a bunch. To I'm going to take tonight. tech too. Yeah. Give me the red Raiders. Number 12, Iowa state at Missouri. Ooh, that's a low key. Good game. Uh, give, give tigers. me the tigers. Yeah. Iowa state. Number 11, TCU at Mississippi state. This ain't a football game. Yep. Give me the horny frogs. Horny frogs. Horny frogs. Arkansas at number 17, Baylor. Interesting spot to maybe go for an upset here. Will the Razorbacks get it right? No. No. Yeah, I think Baylor's top 10. Good. Florida at number 5, Kansas State. Revenge game, kind of. I don't know if you left on bad terms for Keontae Johnson. Give me the Cats. Yeah, K-State. K-State. Probably the best game on paper if you take the KU one out. Number 10, Texas at number 4, Tennessee. Rick Barnes almost beat his old team last year. I say he gets it done this time. Balls at home. Uh, I'm going to take Texas on the road here. Okay. I'm going to take Texas as well. And Ole Miss at Oklahoma State. I made that game up. Would you believe me? No, you don't know. It may never happen because nobody cares if this game takes place. How much do you think it costs to get into the arena to watch Ole Miss and Oklahoma State? That'll be less than $10. Uh, Cowboys win and Bryce Thompson will shoot less well than he did against Kansas. Uh, Cowboys win, I guess. The only reason Oklahoma I'm even going to know the result of this game is because of this podcast. <laughs> you could go the rest of your life through whatever valleys and peaks you go through in your existence without knowing who on. Do you just want me to not read that? We won't, we won't recap this game next That'd time. That'd be hilarious, we'll just, actually. We'll just go forever having never known who won. Like, did anyone win? Did it even take place? I don't we'll, even we'll care. I don't care to watch a single moment of that or Texas Tech LSU for that matter. I don't want to watch Texas and Tennessee. That game's going to be first to 40 wins. <laughs> don't need to do this. That, that's why the Big 12 should play a different conference. So our next show is going to come out over the weekend. We'll record on Sunday afternoon. I might drop it uh, depending on how early we get it done because I won't put it right when the Chiefs game starts. But look for it on Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, one or the other. The brutal gauntlet continues for the Jayhawks. We get ready for the return K-State game. Wildcats coming into Allen Fieldhouse, probably in the top 10. We'll see how that goes. K-State's going to be higher ranked than Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. That does not happen very often. This is the Inside the Paint podcast on Rock Chalk Blog. Hopefully you want to jump off the ledge a little bit less after listening to us. I'm Ryan Landreth. I am somehow Landon still awake. <laughs> I'm Nick White. Well, so remember we used to do shows that were called Don't Panic Editions when we actually really believe this stuff. And now we're just like, panic. I don't care what the hell you do. You saw him win a natty. <laughs>
Yeah, pretty much. Doesn't matter. Panic all you want. All right, somebody say goodbye. Say goodbye to Bill Self, having never lost four in a row. Bye, winning. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.